direct primary care and by extension, direct care is growing like crazy. There are 101 ways of starting a practice, seeing patients and being an asset to your community. With the variation that we see in the industry, I'm not going to sit here and preach about the right way to do things. There are a lot of right ways to build and practice DPC. So what we're going to focus on today, the big mistakes that we see. Now, focusing on what not to do is going to be much more valuable because there's usually a handful of critical mistakes that doctors will make that derail the entire thing. These have financial impacts, such as spending way too much money on your office or website, lifestyle impacts, like trying to see too many people, and social impacts, like not establishing a relationship with patients in the first place. With the insight of Freedom Health for External Operations Director, Danielle Ewing, someone who works day in and day out with DPC physicians and sees the big picture, we're going to discuss the common pitfalls of independent DPC practices so that you, hopefully, can steer clear. From the Freedom HealthWorks Network, this is Healthcare Americana. Today's podcast is brought to you by Freedom HealthWorks, a company on a mission to turn healthcare delivery on its head. It works to support all physicians who are interested in direct care, cutting out insurance companies from their practices, and to spread the word of this model to everyone, including employers. For more information on direct care, visit freedomhealthworks.com and by the great people at the Free Market Medical Association. They're connecting true buyers and sellers of healthcare, educating and motivating them to work together based upon mutually beneficial relationship, which is also built on three pillars, price, value, and equality. For more information, visit fmma.org. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Christopher Habig, joined by Danielle Ewing of Freedom HealthWorks. Danielle, thanks for taking the time to come on the show and share your expertise with everyone. Hi, thanks for having me. Now, Danielle, describe your role at Freedom HealthWorks and how your background experiences fit in with helping DPC doctors every day. Sure. Um, so I am the External Operations Director at Freedom HealthWorks. Um, I've been a nurse for 11 years. And I spent the better portion of that career in the hospital setting, working at the bedside, and then also doing uh, unit management. Uh, I went into healthcare because I wanted to take care of people and um, make them feel better and, and take care of their overall wellness. And unfortunately, I quickly learned that um, the hospital was not the place to do that and that there was something better in healthcare. Um, so I left there and went and joined another company that did employer-based healthcare, which was more aligned, I think, in health, wellness, uh, disease prevention, and um, seemed to be really focused on patient care. But again, I still felt like something was missing. Uh, then I learned about direct primary care and everything Freedom Health Works was doing. And I was like, I have to be a part of that because this is what healthcare is. Um, a relationship with your physician, preventing disease, and lowering costs. So I joined Freedom Health Works about a year and a half ago. And um, during my time here, I've focused on um, building relationships with vendors, developing um, the best systems for our physicians to use, and just really using my past experience around clinical workflow management to help our practices work the most efficiently and to work to the best of their capacity. So that's what I do here at Freedom. So clinical background, hospital settings, not the best place to deliver the actual care that you believed in went more the business route, and now you get to see basically a 360-degree view of DPC physicians, uh, what they're doing well, what they could improve upon, and then having conversations about, um, hey, this is why things are happening this way, and this is what we're seeing from our end. Right. What are you seeing from your end type of a thing? Exactly. So you're the right person to have this discussion, obviously, about the biggest mistakes DPC doctors make in your experience of the years and a half, year and a half, excuse me, of uh, working alongside, you know, DPC clients here. So what are the biggest mistakes that you see out there? 
Well, I think we have two types of DPC physicians when they're first starting on the journey to becoming a DPC doc. The first would be our transition physicians. So the doctors who have a, pra- a private practice and want to transition from the basic insurance-based healthcare plan to um, the DPC model. And then we also have our physicians who are coming with no patient panel at all um, and starting a practice from scratch. And so I think those have the different challenges based on how you're coming into this model. So one of the biggest mistakes that I think both make is thinking that there needs to be a lot of upfront cost to starting their practice. This model is so simple that people make it complicated because in mm-hmm. its simplicity, it's confusing. I've read somewhere that DPC is like the way medicine used to be, you know, back in the day when they did house visits just with today's technology. Um, so it's really easy to do. And I think people try and make it complicated and have like the bells and whistles. And really, you don't need all of those things when you're starting out your practice. So there's just a few core things you need when you're starting your DPC practice. And that would be the right systems, a place to see patients, and just a few medical supplies. And that's really it. So I would say that's one of the biggest mistakes is spending too much money on either your build out or um, really expensive systems that you don't really need yet, things like that. And I think that applies to both our physicians that are new and then also the ones that are transition practices. Another big mistake that the transition practices make is they've been practicing in the traditional healthcare model for however many years, and then they try and take those systems and those processes and then just apply it to the simpler model of DPC, um, making things more complicated than they need to be. So it's really important for them to take a step back and really look at a clean slate. Like, I can do anything I want with this practice. Like, what should I do? I don't have to take what I did before. So I think that's a big mistake that they make. And then for our new physicians who are just starting out and have no patient panel yet, you know, as you're building that patient panel, it's really easy to get stuck into oh, I don't have any patients, so I'm really available, or, you know, simple workflows because you only have a handful of patients, but really it's so important that they plan their practice from the beginning to accommodate what their end goal is of their patient panel and the size and where they want to be. Like, don't work based on what your current state is, but what you want your practice to become. Kind of design your perfect practice and and do everything to achieve it while keeping your upfront costs as low as possible. Correct. You know, that's interesting that you mentioned that uh, they make it too complex on themselves. Do you see physicians just get their head wrapped around this big idea and they don't know how to actually do it because they want to have a million different things going in and just say, hey, take a deep breath. Just just take this step up, step by step. And it's going to be as, as simple as you possibly can. And I think it's overwhelming for them too, because a lot of doctors go into medicine because they want to help people, mm-hmm. right? And they want to see patients and take care of patients. They don't um, necessarily want or know how to run a business. So that's another downfall too, is now that not only are you seeing patients and taking care of people, but you also have to know how to run a business. And that can be really overwhelming and it can be really complex, but it doesn't have to be. In DPC, you know, not having to file things with insurance and all the hoop jumping that happens in traditional healthcare just makes it where you can just get back to what it is that you wanted to do and just take care of people. Mm-hmm. Which is an interesting concept to have a conversation with a lot of physicians who are used to being beat over the head saying, you have to see X number of patients a day. Your RVUs have to be this. And to take a step back and say, hey, again, you have a choice here. Do people get paralyzed by too many choices? I think so, yeah. And I think, and I, and I think it's almost like they, 
they say it's too good to be true, right? I hear that a lot. Yeah. yeah. Like this is too, this seems too easy. It's like, yeah, it is really easy. You don't have to, you know, do all of these things. And I think that's what our physicians that we help, we just make it really simple for them. We just say, hey, these are what we've learned to be the best systems. These are the things you need to focus on. This is where you should spend your money. Now go see patients. And so I think they like the fact that we can make it that simple for them. Right. You listed a few kind of general mistakes that people make. So let's get a little bit more specific here. Which mistakes specifically do you see that range from, hey, this isn't a big deal. We can fix this. So just take a little bit of time and effort to if you make this mistake, your entire practice is at peril. So little mistakes from like the beginning of opening your practice. It's really important for you. And if you decide to have staff members to really educate yourself on what DPC is, that you can speak to your patients about that um, and educate them on the process. And if you don't, then you're going to just struggle with that conversation you have with your patients because this is such a new concept Mm -hmm. um, ongoing. So that's one little mistake that people make. It's really important to set yourself up for success from the very beginning so that the patient experience is the same whether you have five patients or you have 600 patients. The patient shouldn't be able to feel the difference of when you um, get full or when your practice is at its capacity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, making sure that you build your schedule out correctly from the very beginning, making sure that you have workflow processes with your clinical staff from the very beginning. So as the volume increases and the work increases, it's just a natural flow into your everyday process. Mm -hmm. Does that include building barriers with your patients? Yes. So one thing that we notice a lot is a new DPC physician is so excited, you know, for their practice and, you know, they'll have their patients come in and they're like, Oh, I'm wide open. And you know, Oh, you can see me tomorrow and you can see me the next day and the next day, which is great. But when you have more than 10 and then you're up to your 600 max, you really can't do that. And so setting those expectations with your patients, a lot of our physicians will be concerned, you know, the new ones who are learning about this because they're like, wait a minute, we tell people we are available all the time. They can text message us. Do people respect us? And it's like, yeah, they do because you set those boundaries and you have that conversation with those patients from the very beginning of, you know, understanding when to reach out to you, when, mm-hmm. you know, when your hours are. And it's just this mutual respect that forms Because a lot of what DPC is about is a relationship between the physician and the patient. So they end up respecting, you know, probably shouldn't text my doctor at 1 a.m. regarding, you know, my rash. Yeah. And do patients have this kind of mentality of, well, I don't want to bother them once they understand that their physician is there and it's going to respond to them? Yeah. And that's another thing we noticed, too, is the fact that they have unlimited access to their physician they almost don't use it as much because they know that you're there if you need anything. Right. They don't have to think, oh, am I sick enough to call my doctor and to go through all of that? They just know, oh, I can call my doctor and they're going to get back to me the same day. So it's just educating them, setting, setting those boundaries so that they understand, you know, hey, my panel's not very full right now, but when it does get full, I may not be able to get you in the next day, so don't wait that long. And then being able to utilize different systems and tools to help facilitate conversations with your patients like telehealth where they don't have to actually come in for a physical visit. Um, There's just a lot Mm -hmm. of stuff out there that can support the physician in their growth and still make the patient experience uh, feel the same as when they were just small. So obviously very big on the patient experience. And and that's obviously uh, an example of a mistake that a lot of doctors will make, especially, you know, they're small business owners for the first time. So switching gears to big catastrophic mistakes what are mistakes that people can avoid doing that would basically sink their practice? 
I think one of would be um, developing the wrong workflows from the very beginning. And we see this a lot in our transition practices. It's really hard to bring your staff over and, you know, you and everybody's been used to working in this environment where you're seeing, you know, 20 to 30 patients a day and you have this huge panel and it's go, go, go. And taking that and then applying that mindset and that workflow to this model, if you can't change that, it's not going to be successful because that's not what this was built to do. Right. You'll lose a lot of the main tenants of DPC, of that patient experience, of providing services you know, at cash-based pricing for your patients. So there's a lot that you will lose if you try and take the workflow of a traditional model and put it into here. And, you know, habits are hard to break. So just, it's really important to start with that clean slate of, hey, I'm going to look at this through a different lens. What is there something I've always wanted to do? You know, maybe they really enjoy exercise science and want to try and apply um, dietary advice and exercise advice to their patients. I mean, really, whatever you want to do, like, this is your chance to do it. So don't try and take the old way and put it into this because then it won't be successful. And I think another big thing that people make mistakes are choosing the wrong systems from the beginning. There's a lot of different EMRs and telehealth applications out there. And it's really important to make sure that you choose the right systems to set you up for success in the long run. And if you don't, then you're just not going to be as efficient as you'd like to be. And also just switching over a system as you're growing is difficult for you and for your staff. So it sounds like following through on your expectations is going to be important. Um, Just to recap you know, with your patients, um, what you don't want to do is bring over, like you said, your previous business model without the understanding that, hey, for the first time in your career, you don't have to see somebody face-to-face to be making money or to be treating them and to use some of the technological factors and systems that are available out there to make your life a whole lot easier. Right. But following through on promises that you're going to make to your patients is going to be imperative going forward with your practice too. because. There's nothing worse than setting expectations and then you don't follow through with them. And, you know, we, uh, I think we get the question a lot of, well, how do I know if I'm doing a good job? And that answer is, if that person comes back next month and pays your fee. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's, exactly. It's that whole customer facing aspect of it. So is that, in summary, a lot of the mistakes you see is the fall down on the customer experience side? Yeah, I think so. And I, and I think a lot of what everything they're doing behind the scenes leads to that customer experience, right? And so I think that is where the fall down is. If you don't get the stuff in the back going, then you won't be able to deliver on what you promised to your clients. So we're looking looking at some of the mistakes here. and, And I'm the type of person that it's important to identify mistakes, but if we don't identify solutions with them, then that's going to be a tough conversation to have anyway. So let's go a little bit more solution facing. Um, but first, in order to implement solutions, we have to admit that there is a uh, something bad going on. Is this an easy conversation for physicians to have? Are they, are they the type of people, uh, for the most part, that are saying, hey, uh, over here, waving their hand, saying, I need help. I think I screwed something up. I think a lot of times they don't know that they've screwed something up or that it's gotten to that level of where it's going to affect their practice. You know, when you get down into the weeds of your life or your business, it's just kind of like, this doesn't feel right. Something is wrong here. Um, I think they get that sense. And then it's always really, it's a good feeling that I can take their feelings of how, so they'll tell me, this is what, how I feel. Like, so for example, you know, my schedule is filling up too quickly. I'm not really sure what I've done wrong here. 
And then I can take how they feel and then show them the data that supports that or doesn't support that and say, okay, well, you're telling me this, but I'm seeing this. So I think physicians don't necessarily know how it's going to really impact them later. So it's really important that we can then provide them with that feedback on an ongoing basis to prevent it getting to them. So if somebody has trouble admitting or not knowing that something is wrong, in your experience, how do you help those type of people? So in my time with Freedom HealthWorks, um, our physicians that we support and take care of, we are able to provide them with data. So in my previous career, I spent a lot of time in the data looking at client-facing reports and clinical dashboards. And so we've been able to develop that here at Freedom HealthWorks and show them and benchmark them with other physicians within our community to say, you're having this many telehealth visits and this many in-person visits versus the average across our physicians. Or another example would be there's a patient experience issue around dropped calls. Patients don't feel like the calls are getting answered as well. We can provide them with the data that shows, yeah, you do have a large number of dropped calls and it's during these hours. So maybe we need to change, you know, when lunch is or change, you know, maybe have somebody else on the phone or reroute the phones differently so that we can prevent that from happening in the future. So we have insight into the daily operations of our practices that we can support them to make it so that they don't need help or they don't get themselves in trouble. And it's usually around the patient experience or patient scheduling. It seems like a popular question is, well, what are the other practices doing? Yeah, it is. So if I meet with a client, I'm like, yeah, your average patient visits per year is you know, four patient visits a year. Then they'll say, oh, well, is that a lot? Is that a little? Like, how does that look across? And that's one thing I think that's really great we're able to do is we've created this community so we can tell them based on our physicians and what we see, you know, you are seeing your patients more frequently than the other doctors or less frequently, or you're having more telemedicine, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, it's just that maybe your workflow needs to be a little different to support that. And that's that's the way you're choosing to practice. Mm -hmm. It seems like it all, like you said, you know, this isolated, they're not necessarily a bad thing if doctors are doing something a little bit different than their than their peers are. But knowing what that narrative is and how that fits in with the rest of the practice model is going to be very, very valuable for them. Right, exactly. And what we're able to do is take what they're used to doing is seeing patients and then apply those numbers and that data to the business side to help them make good decisions on, you know, maybe they need to max out at less patients because they spend more time with their patients than the average. Mm -hmm. And that's important to them. So they want to hold on to that. So we have solutions around that. You know, maybe it's time for you to hire, you know, additional help. Or maybe say, if they say that's not important to me, I'd rather go from one hour visits to 45 minute visits, you know, and then we can help facilitate that for them through the benchmarking. It's such a powerful ability to be able to look at an individual practice with that data and, and comparing to other, other practices around. So put your kind of crystal ball out here. What's next as far as your efforts within Freedom Health Works to help doctors analyze that type of information, use it, and then put it into a value uh, value add to their patients? Yeah. So um, we've been working hard in developing what that looks like for our doctors. And what we want to do is be able to meet with them, really provide them feedback monthly in real time um, of how they're operating, and then make suggestions on different things that need to be changed based on what we're seeing. Um, and then on a quarterly basis, provide them like with a really detailed report of the insight of their practice as well. And then not only are we providing the insight, we then are able to provide recommendations, workflow options, um, staff training, different support, different systems to then help give them the ability to move it forward and to get away from having the issues that they're having. 
for a physician who doesn't have these type of capabilities um, or might be exploring DPC on their own and not have you know, a team of experts willing to help and support them, what's a good piece of advice um, that you have that you would give them to any doctor out there who are trying to go down this path on their own? So I would say, number one, do your research on what direct primary care is. Really get to know what it is. And there's video, there's YouTube videos, there's different communities online. There's the Freedom Health Works Academy you could go to to learn about what DPC is. Make sure you really understand this model. And then just sit down and say, what do I want my practice to be? If I could have my practice do anything, be anything, what would that look like for me? Don't try and take DPC and fit it into this traditional model. Make it whatever you want it to be. Start with your end goal and then work backwards from there would be the best advice. Um, And then just keep it simple. It does not need to be complicated. It's really easy to do. Um, There's systems out there that they've created that really support the physician in providing direct primary care. So system processors, telehealth, really basic, simple EMRs. It's an easy thing to do once you get the goal and have that mindset of that you want to get it started. Then I would definitely say find another DPC physician in your area and just shadow them, go check out their practice, ask them questions because it's a really great community of people. They just want to help each other. And, you know, I think that's one great thing about direct primary care is people who are doing this, they want to see this across the nation. Mm-hmm. Like they aren't trying to keep it for themselves. That's why I call it a movement. Right. You hear that word a lot. Right. So learn from your peers, learn what they're doing and just ask questions. A lot of free educational material out there, uh, as you said. And, you know, if you get to a point where you need a little help off the bench, then there are teams of experts uh, willing to help out and see this movement go forward here. Danielle, thanks for joining us today. Having accessible experts like yourself help spread the word about DPC, helps doctors learn more about this model and get involved. And so it's incredibly valuable to have your insights and help make sure that these visionary um, pioneering physicians stay in business and can care for all the patients. Yeah, absolutely. I love being part of this community and I love helping these doctors do what they were meant to do. Danielle Ewing, Freedom HealthWorks, External Operations Director. Thanks again for joining us. And that's it for this episode of Healthcare Americana. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Healthcare Americana. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podchaser, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And tell your friends and colleagues to download and listen to all Healthcare Americana shows at healthcareamericana.com. This episode was produced by iPodcast Pro. Capture your story. iPodcastPro.com.